Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I first want to just start by saying the Lord took a people who were not a people, and he made them into a people, and he called them his. And um, we now know them as the Hebrews, Israelites, or Jews, whatever word you're comfortable with the most. But when I look across the room, I see the same thing. He took a people who were not a people, who are now a people. And, you know, we're now uh, people who love one another, who pray for one another, who care about each other, who gather together to worship together. Isn't he wonderful? God is good. So I want to tell you about just the Hebrew-Israelite Jew thing. Uh, the word Hebrew is derived from a word that means passing through. I, this is just a little bit hot for me, please. Lewis, if you could turn down just a hair. Um, and it means like people passing through a land on a journey. So naturally, the first person who was ever called a Hebrew was Abraham, Abram at the time. And the Lord changed his name to Abraham. And Sarai, his wife, the Lord changed her name to Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah were passing through, and they just knew them. Oh, those are the Hebrews, the ones that are going by. Abraham and Sarah had a son. They named him Isaac. Actually, like God gave Abraham his new name, and he gave Sarai her new name, Sarah. He also named Isaac, which means laughter. And Isaac married Rebekah, and they had a set of twins. And the twins were Esau and Jacob. Now, there's a reason I'm giving you all of this. I hope you all remember this stuff. Esau had eight sons. Jacob had 12. The 12 sons of Jacob we now know as because God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And the 12 sons are the tribe or the nation that we know as Israel. Um, later, they... That's when the word Israelites came in. And later the kingdom split the ten tribes in the north and the rest of the tribes in the south. And they were centered in the area of Judah. They had, they had Jerusalem, the city. So they became known as the people of Judah, the Jews. So there is no wrong word there. I just wanted to make that clear so you'll hear them all from me today. It's not because I'm tripping up on anything. I'm just using them all. And so he made these people. And from the beginning, the governing of these people, God wanted it to be simple. It was simple. God was their head. God was their leader. God was their king. And to simplify it even further, God would choose a person from among them to govern them. That that person would be able to acknowledge that he would hear from the Lord and tell the people what God was saying. He was acknowledged by the other Israelites as the one that God had picked and was talking through. 
That man was not to usurp God's authority, but rather to represent him and give the people his, his directions. Moses is one of the better known leaders that God spoke through. After Moses came Joshua. Joshua led the Israelites into battle to possess the promised land. And much of the land and many of their enemies were conquered. But not all of them. After Joshua's death, see we had some strong leaders there. We had some people who were following and listening. But after Joshua's death, it is written that the generations that followed, mm, look around our world today, the generations that followed did not acknowledge the Lord, nor did they remember the things that he had done for them. It is written that they did evil in his sight. Sounding a little more familiar today? Do y'all watch the news? And they took to worshiping idols. So, you know, they, they knew what the drill was. We got, this is our land. God gave this to us or whoever he was. And we got to go in and conquer. So when they would go to battle, hmm, they would lose. Now, that's not how it happened when Joshua was leader. Uh, okay, okay, I know about Achan and what he did. He stole and they lost E, that's A-I. Uh, but that's just a side story we'll do for later. But when Joshua went in, this was the type of battle they would do. Okay, walk around the wall, because he could hear God telling him. Have them walk around the wall quietly. <laughs> in my book, that's a miracle already. Um, six times and on the seventh, seven, six days and on the seventh day when they walk around, have them shout as loud as they can and blow the ram's horn and the walls came tumbling down. Who won that battle for them? Of course, he got the credit. He used the people and they went in and possessed. Um, but see, this whole trip up about the next generation not acknowledging the next generation, not remembering. That is a, such a powerful word in scriptures because he tells us so often, remember, remember. And they would not. Um, they would be conquered. See, they would go in in these battles. They'd lose. They'd be conquered. And their enemies would severely oppress them. They would eventually, okay, like they've got it bad. Things are not going well for them. They're made into slaves. They're made into um, do, paying outrageous taxes. And the whole con congregation goes, ooh, yeah. So they're in this bad spot. <laughs> and when it is that difficult, they would finally come to their senses. And they would fall on their knees and say, huh, we forgot. We forgot. We need to remember. God would have pity upon them, and he would raise up what we now know as a judge who would lead them back into the ways of the Lord and hear from him and tell them. When, um, let's go into the book of Judges. 
chapter 2, verse 18, and it reads this way. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. Now, if they'd ever hooked on to what was going on, I'd be praying for that judge, wouldn't you? Let him live a thousand years, God. Because they had it good while they were paying attention to what the judge told them about the ways of the Lord. It goes on to say, For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering at the hands of their enemy. It goes on in 19, But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. Come on. Is that a pattern we're seeing today? Is that a pattern we want to be stuck in? As soon as the one who was leading them back into the ways of the Lord and telling them what God says, not what the person, not what the judge thinks or his opinion or his bent or his nothing. He heard God and spoke forth. Did the people always like what was said? No, because remember, they were worshiping idols. They were doing things they should not do. And so God said, okay, I'm going to help you get out of that and get into the place you need to be. And the entire time that that judge was there, they would have peace in the land. Sweet, until the judge dies. And they go back. Why? And not only go back, but go back worse than it was before. They went after other gods, it continues in 19, serving and worshiping them. You know, rock really can do a lot for your life. Not. Neither can a piece of wood that's carved out. Let me give you an insight. Neither will the green bill in your pocket that so many people worship do a whole lot for you. Not like our God can. And they refused, refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. I wish I could tell you we haven't met a stubborn person that we've tried to help. The pastor and I have counseled and worked with them and said, this isn't good for you. Please stop. Let us pray. Don't do that. It's ruining you. It's ruining your family. And they would go, yeah, 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 whatever. Ouch. So this became their pattern. The spiritual leader, a.k.a. judge, would keep the people in line with the commandments of God. The leader would die. The people would turn away from God. They would intermarry with the foreigners who did not know God and worshipped idols. The Hebrews would then become idol worshipers and cause God's anger to be aroused. We don't want God mad at us. We really don't. He's a forgiving God. When you trip up and do something wrong and you go back over to him and say, oh, I'm sorry, I know I did that wrong. He's good. He's good. He forgives. He helps. And he says, don't do that again. Don't do that anymore. But when you do something wrong and say, in your face, God, what are you going to do? Look out. 
The Hebrews would again become idol worshipers and cause God's anger to be aroused. He would cause them to be oppressed by the foreign kings. Remember they were supposed to go in and conquer the land? And then they would come to there after a while of being oppressed and paying stupid taxes and being beaten and such. They would come back to their senses, cry out to God. The Lord would raise up a judge again, and the judge would lead him back into the ways of the Lord. Ah, we're on a record. Mm -hmm. Being a judge meant the people could come and uh, gripe. I mean, Kindly, I would say, explain their grievances and about what their problem was. In turn, the judge would hear from the Lord and tell the people what he said. But it also meant that the spirit of the Lord would come upon the person that he had chosen as a judge and would give that person supernatural abilities and knowledge that would be able to conquer the enemy of that land. You know, last week we heard about just such a judge. His name was Gideon. Y'all remember the story that the pastor brought us last week about Gideon? He was made judge. That whole event, the Lord coming upon him, the Holy Spirit entering in, supernatural things would happen. And the Lord defeated the enemy through Gideon and 300 men. Oh, that was amazing. Because even when they kept all 10,000, they were still woefully uh, small in comparison to what they were going up against. God's kind of into miracles, though. Today, I would like to bring you another judge. Actually, the one that, pre that was just before Gideon. And her name is Deborah. Hmm. So now we know what the setup for being appointed a judge is over Israel. And the cultural, here it is, the cultural climate is wicked, evil, disobedient people. That's why we've got to raise up a judge, right? Crime, corruption, slander, everywhere. Hmm. And on top of that, they have enemies who come to kill, steal, and destroy all that they have. Um, now, just a little bit of history again. Othniel was the first judge. And he defeated the king of Aram, who was oppressing them. And when Othniel had the spirit of the Lord come upon him and was made a judge, and the length of Othniel's time was 40 years. So for 40 years, cool. He died. And uh, the people went back to evil. And they, then they would come back to their senses. And then they would cry out to the Lord. And the next one was Eod. Eod was the next judge, and he defeated the king of Moab. And the people then enjoyed 80 years of Eod's life. He died, and even greater corruption. The cycle begins again. They were oppressed by a Canaanite king named Yabin. And the people enjoyed, um, oh no, the, the commander, sorry, wrong line. The commander of King uh, Yabin's army was a gentleman by the name of Sisera. And Sisera was mm, ruthless. The others had been oppressed. The others had had, you know, given them a, a hard time. But this guy was the worst of all. 
he had 900 iron chariots that he put into his army. This is pre-tank. An iron chariot would require very powerful horses to pull it. Let's just start there. Now, if you've got an iron chariot being pulled by a horse, you're not going to be able to have... um, Okay, I'm just going to say a wimpy guy. That's as nice as I can get about it. A wimpy guy leading that chariot. He had to have strong, burly men be able to handle those horses and be able to ride in that chariot and be able to go forth into battle. 900. Now, in those days, to see that coming at you, that's fearsome. And remember I told you? He was ruthless. He had all that behind him. So he knew how he could just push people around, and he personally hated the Jews. So, after, (laughs) it took 20 years of his bullying before they finally cried out. And the Israelites cried out, and the Lord picked Deborah. She is a woman that is described as a wife, as a prophetess, and chosen by God and named Judge. She would sit under a palm tree that became known as the Palm of Deborah. Remember I told you when a judge was raised up, that's when the people could come and explain their grievances, and she would help them settle out whatever was going on. And that's where she would be every day, sitting under the palm, and the people would come up to her to tell them, to tell her what was wrong. And they would go to seek to get her to give them judgment on their issues. But did you realize, did you hear that there's one major issue, religious issue missing in this? Um, <laughs> that whole current argument about women in leadership. Uh, apparently, God did not have a problem with a woman representing him. Hmm. Go back to the book of Judges. Four. Six. One day she, we're talking about Deborah, she's in the judge, sent for Barak, the son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. Barak was from the tribe of Naphtali. Remember I told you the 12 sons of Jacob, a.k.a. Israel? When Moses was alive, they were told what places they would be appointed what land. Moses didn't go into the land, but Joshua led them. So he started from the Jordan and he started going through and the people who were around there, they got their land because they conquered and then Joshua died. And they were like, whew, hey, we can do all this stuff that everybody around here is doing. Which was the one thing over and over and over again, both Moses and Joshua told the people, don't get involved with them. Because when you do, they're going to lead you away from God. They're going to bring in corruption. Stay away. Did God hate those people? God did not like the fact that they would not acknowledge him and were worshiping other things. He had made a people who were not a people into a people who would come upon upon those people and show them, the true God, by how they were. He said, 
you're, you're not ready yet. Don't get involved with them. He knew. They didn't. They disobeyed. They got all up in that and took it on. You know, I would love to just rip into the things that are going on in the world right here about the things that are being presented as something that we have to accept, that we should be aware of and should know and should embrace. Let me remind you, don't do it. Don't go there. God has made it very clear what our boundaries are. And through us, we should be able to collectively show them in the dark what it is to be in the kingdom of light. Don't snuff out your light to be accepted by the kingdom of dark. Come on. Uh, she sent for Barak. Barak was from the tribe of Naphtali. <laughs> Obviously, Naphtali is not one of the well-known nor most powerful of the 12 tribes. It was the northernmost tribe in Israel. Much of it bordered the Sea of Galilee. And Barak is sent for to come before Deborah, the judge of Israel. He obediently comes. Who is Barak? Huh. He's just one of us. He's just... An ordinary person. She said to him, continuing in Judges 4, 6, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Deborah didn't have to know Barak. God did. Deborah didn't even know. She said, I need you to go to Naphtali and get Barak. Who's that, Deborah? You'll find him. So she goes and she sends out for him. He comes and she gives him these words. This is what the Lord commands you. Now that should make a snap. When God speaks, if you trust the vessel in which he is using to speak to you, listen. Call out. Ten, this is what she told him. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. Whoa, we have this, what he's telling Barak, this is what you have to do, not because I'm wanting you to do that, but because God has called you to do that. And it goes on to say, um, and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River, there I will give you victory over him. This is the word through Deborah for Barak. Remember I already told you about Sisera. <laughs> You're going to do what? All of his chariots? The iron ones with those big burly men behind them, leading them with those big strong horses? Really? Me? Only 10,000? His whole army. I mean, he's got 900 just of the chariots plus his army. So, she had a powerful word from the Lord. Response to the Lord is exceedingly important. So, how did Barak respond? Let's go on to eight. Barak told her, mm -hmm, I will go, but only if you go with me. Huh? Wait, what? 
I will go, I will go judge. But you have to go with me. Well, I'm going to need a new dress. What a response. Now, let me ask you, would you call this a test of faith? Would you say Barack passed or failed? Hmm. Let me give you a little bit of insight to that. Deborah is the first woman to be a judge. The other judges, remember I told you, had a supernatural um, ability when the Spirit of God would come upon them? Well, Barack is just given a word of what to do. And he's like, hey, you got to come with me, okay? But I'm going to go. Very well, she replied. Verse 9 says, I will go with you. Huh. Now she took a minute to listen to the Lord to see what he would have to say to her and listen to what the result of, her, of his bargaining is. But you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. Men, if the Lord tells you to do something, do not depend on the woman. Women, if the Lord tells you to do something, do not depend on a friend or a man to go with you. If the Lord tells you to do something, just do it. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. The word of God tells us this woman, this wife, this prophetess, this judge, wore many hats. She has wisdom. She has strength. But never when I was reading about this did I see where she was trained as a warrior. Um, Barak asked her to come. His obedience to God hinged on her going. It'd be easy to, for us to say, well, Barack is a coward. <laughs> and we would quickly judge him to be fearful or inadequate or with little or no self-confidence. But before we do that, let us remember one important thing. God called Deborah to be judge. God had Deborah send for Barack. Deborah was the representation of the Lord. And Barak was coming from a very wicked environment. Remember I told you they just corrupted and corrupted and corrupted? Worse every time? He knew just enough to respect Deborah's position, and he knew enough to realize he didn't want to go into battle without being able to hear from the Lord. He did not. She did. Remember how the men used to carry the Ark of the Covenant, thinking that would cover them? That was his Ark. And he looked upon his people with pity. And he spoke, the Lord looked upon his people with pity. And he spoke to Deborah, including Barak. He spoke to Deborah because the others, including Barak, could not hear him. God told Deborah, go with Barak. But God also told Deborah, I'm going to use another woman. 
Um, he did what the Lord said. He gathered the 10,000. He went to Mount Tabor. Deborah was with him. And when Sisera heard about the movement of the warriors, he gathered his 900 chariots and his entire army and went to the Kishon River. All right. Going on in Judges, verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. <laughs> Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Harathsheth Hagoim, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Oh, all but one, right? <laughs> Our great hero, Sisera, the bully. I, I tell you, bullies are really cowards. The Lord said a woman would get the honor, and he meant it. Meanwhile, Caesarea ran to, ran to the town, tent. Sorry. Meanwhile, Caesarea ran to the tent of Yael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Yaben of Hazor. Not a good thing already. You know, we're, we're on friendly terms. We can get along with you. It's interesting because last night the pastor and I were watching a movie, trying to relax. It was not relaxing. It was a battle, and it was about Afghanistan and things that went on there. And what I really took note of was the fact that in this movie it showed how we think of Taliban and we say, yeah, but the truth is not all Afghans are Taliban. It's a sect of there. So even the Afghans didn't like Taliban's, the people, the Talis. And so I saw where they would, in some areas, they were on friendly terms with the Talis, the Afghans, so that they could live in, in somewhat peace of their homes and their villages. It wasn't because they wanted to be there. They didn't want the tallies there, but they weren't going to go up against them. It would be like Cicera with 900 iron chariots. They didn't have what the tallies had as far as weapons and mobilization. So they just behaved and held back. That's what I see with this, with Heber's family. They were on friendly terms with the king. So they knew that they could be there and whenever they came by, they showed respect, which means they didn't get in their way or mouthy with them, and they would pass through. So let's go back. Caesar ran to the tent, and Yael was home, the wife. Goes on in 18. Yael went out to meet Caesar and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. 
So she gave him milk from a leather bag and covered him again. She's going out of her way to make this man feel comfortable. And he says to her, stand at the door, he told her. If anyone comes and asks you if, if, if anyone is here, just, just say no. <laughs> that bully, coward. And he's proving himself one right there. He's having the woman cover for him. Hide me, protect me, feed me. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Yael crept up to him with a hammer and sent a tent peg, and with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, so he died. Hold up, wait, what? Okay, medical fact. Men's bones are more dense than women's. Skulls are thick. Okay, you can make all the jokes you want. Supernatural. God was with Gael. She didn't go over there. Now, you know this. He's asleep. He's exhausted. But he's still alive. She didn't go over there and go, tick, 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 trying to get that peg into his head. No. It was this. One. It didn't just go through the head. It went in here, out here, into the ground. <laughs> At the hands of a woman, Caesarea, commander of the king's army. Going on in Judges. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Yael went out to meet him. Hey, come on. I'll show you what the man is you're looking for. So he followed her into the tent, and he found Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. Mind you, we've been in this area. I don't even think it was a soft, grassy meadow that she had to drive that peg through tent would never stay in that and they had to be super long because the ground was so hard and the winds blow on that day it goes on to say in the book of judges israel saw god defeat yabin the canaanite king and from that time on israel became stronger and stronger against king yabin until they finally destroyed him. Now, the Israelites becoming stronger and stronger was not that they were going out and working out in the gym. It was that they were remembering. They were remembering where their strength comes, who their strength is, and how to stay with it. After the battle, Deborah and Barak wrote a hit song, Actually, it was a song to chronicle the events, and they had peace in the land for 40 years afterwards. Then Deborah died, you know, here we go again. But the thing is, the, work, the Lord works through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So here's what we need to do. Be available to the Lord. Extraordinary challenges require extraordinary faith in the Lord, 
Be expectant to see the Lord move mightily. Be expectant. In the case of Deborah and Barak, they risked their lives in war, while Yael took in a cowardly fugitive and risked her life to end his and to help free Israel from the oppression. Ultimately, this account reveals that God is in control of the nations and changes their leaders according to his desires, and the people have to remember. Amen?